It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts. Radio. News. Leaving behind a February full of tech fueled stock market records, Steve Weidegger said he expected the broader market to close the gap on big tech, saying this. The extreme divergence of large cap tech profits from other industries should diminish this year and next. We would not be surprised if MAG7 EPS gains in 2024 were cut in half on strong investment spending and greater competition. Steve joins us now. And Steve, that's a lot to get through. Can we build on that just a little bit more? Well, you're expecting some of that gap to well, close. If, if cut in half means 20 to 25 percent EPS gains, that's still, <laughs> still substantial growth. You know, industries that are literally booming, and there's probably a very limited number that are doing that. Booms you worry about on the other side of those, those sorts of things. But they're not going from large gains to declines. Um, they're going to uh, a bit of a slowdown. And, you know, again, look at MAG7. There's probably four companies that are buying up every uh, microchip that they possibly can to offer AI services. Now, is an open question as to whether these services, again, are going to find demand in the economy from from uh, just about everywhere, that they're not going to compete with each other and that they're really going to all be able to boom together or will they compete and they will narrow down profits. I think, again, we're not willing to give up diversification in portfolios, right, to just bet on that single trend. And so, uh, again, a lot of other good things are happening in the economy. We're raising uh, our economic forecasts, raising S&P EPS forecasts, and seeing industries that have been weak for the last year and a half bottom out and begin a recovery. Um, they won't do as well as MAG7 in terms of EPS gains, but hey, they're at a very different valuation. You're clearly not bearish. You're overweight equities, small mid-caps. Talk to us about the industries you like right now. Well, again, you can get mid-cap growth companies in the United States for about the same valuation as European shares. Uh, only the U.S. mid-caps have grown at about 11%, uh, and uh, you know Europe has grown at about 2 I think we increasingly want to swerve towards healthcare, something that's been out of favor, with the exception of GLP drugs. Um, equipment makers have had a historic growth rate of 9% dividend growth for three decades. They're trading 15% off uh, of their highs. Uh, and again, a lot of people thinking that we'll never do anything in healthcare except lose weight, which I wish I could. <laughs> I will say that a lot of people are working on that. I'm curious about uh, the idea that everyone seems to be shifting to this idea that earnings are coming better than expected. The U.S. economy is more uh, stronger than expected. Fiscal keeps on supporting everybody for the foreseeable future. So why is it that cash funds are on pace for another year of record inflows? People are talking about cash as trash. I don't think so. People love their cash funds and they are plowing more money into them. So look, the reason why we're not more overweight equities is a great competition from yield. 
Um, and so we want to participate in that. Our bond portfolios um, have a little bit below average duration. We expect, again, to earn that longer than the Fed will stay at 5.5%. Uh, but uh, these are this is good competition. And look, uh, we've been bullish for a while. We've seen increasing bullishness. We see new shorts being set in the equity market. Everybody is bearish in the bond market and extremely short the bond market. Um, I think that there are some areas which have been so strong that we want to just start to ease back from them. When you've had 80% returns in software, for example, um, you know, it's just as time again to just start to shift to some of the other areas. Uh, but there's room for both stocks and bonds in portfolios right now. This doesn't sound like a market that's been drained of liquidity. It sounds like an economy mm. that is flush with liquidity. Why has the Fed been so ineffective at draining this market of liquidity? Well, again, do you have to? Must we have a new recession, uh, you know, again, to stop this rapid inflation? I think we have um, another troubling inflation report. Uh, that's going to come for in March for the month of February. It's going to be another reason for everyone to, to again say, well, wait a second, maybe we're not on this disinflation trend. Maybe we're going to be stuck here uh, with, uh, with the Fed doing QT and 5.5% funds. Um, that's possible over the short term. But the, the reality is, the good news has been, we've been able, again, to get supply and demand to line up a lot more in a, more, in a stable way without uh, a massive surge in unemployment. Now, if we get too excited about that, there's going to be some problems. You've upgraded growth. What do you see? What do you like? What's leading to that? Well, I think, again, it's weaker pieces of the economy. We've had a hidden recession underneath the surface. If you're looking at Germany, if you're looking at Japan, if you're looking at China, if you're looking at manufacturing in the U.S., which is nobody would really look at, but the reality is it's contracted for the year behind us. Uh, trade contracted 8% in the year through uh, the third quarter of last year. And these weaker components, again, are moving into a more stable, growing place. Probably not going to be anything V-shaped, but it's those things along with large cap tech with AI, which is in the boom. There's been a big spread between manufacturing and services for quite a while, as you indicated, over the last year, two years. Manufacturing started to come up to services. Is that how you expect that story to complete? But remember, it will come with a very different labor market outcome. Services, labor-intensive, manufacturing automated, right? So the headcount differences are going to be really, really substantial. Um, the services industries can't keep adding 200,000 jobs per month just in those industries, right? So you've seen a having an employment growth from where we were two years ago when services just turned right back on like a light switch. Again, hospitality, airlines, travel, all of these things, incredibly labor-intensive, and we had massive job losses there to recover. But now we're at the point where I think it'll slow down. And it didn't in the month of January. It was 353,000 jobs in January. But we saw seasonal distortions in employment, inflation, retail sales, all of these things in different directions. It's going to take a while for the market to sort it out. I think we'll be a little more worried before, uh, before we start to really come to grips again. John mentioned your upgrade of US GDP. Mohammed Alarian recently in Project Syndicate was talking about what happens in the United States matters to the rest of the world, doesn't stay in the United States. Do you foresee then U.S. growth, if you see it picking up, helping the rest of the world? 
It is, it, but it's challenging at the same time because, again, the amount of time that we spent with restrictive monetary policy uh, is still going to be a bit longer. I, we haven't changed our mid-year estimate, really, but, um, you know, again, confidence that we're going to have easing, the communication of easing through markets, right, we could set that back some. So the dollar has been stronger. Now, that both helps and that hurts. Um, yields have risen this year right, at the long end of the curve and across most of the curve. Um, so those are modest challenges, while some of the things are, are really helping. Consumer demand has not collapsed, uh, and uh, producers have been under underwhelming, and they've been uh, really short in terms of uh, meeting demand. Hi, Steve. It's good to see you. Thank Always you. great to catch up. Thank you, sir. Steve Wanning there of City. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.